What's going on, good people? Welcome to Life School. I'm Reverend Kojo. I am your host. We've got a lot to talk about today. Look, Life School is not about getting your panties in a bunch. It's about talking about the hard-hitting topics that you're going through today. If you're struggling, I want to talk about it. If you're hurting, I want to talk about it. If you're just flat up confused, let's talk about it too. Why? Because this is Life School. Hey, good people. I'm so glad you decided to join me today. I'm really excited to talk to you. Like, I'm, I'm amped today. So I've, I've noticed this, this thing going on in, in the lives of a lot of new Christians and even some old Christians. And it's like they're on this t- in the middle of this tug of war. It's like one foot says do good, but the other foot says do, do wrong. And both feet are trying to walk in harmony and it's just not working. And they're trying to figure out why life is so difficult. And so my first thing I want to clear up is that life as a Christian is not simple. Um, nobody said that it would be. And if they told you that it would be, they lied to you. God never promised that life would be simple. Uh, he did say that it would be challenging, but some things we make harder on ourselves. And that's kind of what I want to talk about today, because I think in new age Christianity, there's a, this idea that life is not going to be hard and you're not going to have to deal with things and you're not going to hurt and you're not going to deal with anything. And you're just gonna be, everything's going to be like sunshine and roses. And we're just going to run off into the sunset and everything is going to be great. Okay. And then, you know, th- there's that. And then there's also this idea that God fighting your battles means that battles won't come your way. And that's not true. Um, and then there's, there's also this thing where I can live like hell, uh, because if I live like, I mean, God is going to forgive me and he's going to forgive me and I'm still going to go to heaven. I'm still going to get raptured. It's, it's all cool. And I mean, it's true. You know, nobody can pluck you out of the hands of Christ. You know, we all screw up daily, whether we screw up what we consider large, or we consider small uh, to God, sin is sin. And all of the sin has been cast into the, the sea of forgetfulness. And so we're covered. But I think people fail us in teaching us what it means um, why we should not sin and why we should err on the, on the side of righteousness. Yes. You'll, you'll go to heaven. Yes. You'll get, you're saved. So you're saved indeed, but there are benefits to the right living. And when we, I guess say, I love the Lord in one breath, but cuss somebody else out in the other breath, we inflict, um, a tug of war of sorts on our souls. And we do that and we inflict a tug of war of sorts in our lives. And so what, what happens up happening is like one foot is saying, go good. One, one foot is saying, go right. And they're trying to walk in harmony. But we know that if, if, if you not be unified, you can't walk in harmony. And, and that's scriptural, right? So we see all these people who are always in church crying and crying out to God. And it's not, and some, I mean, sometimes people are crying out to God just because they're like, you know, they're emotional people. But sometimes we find ourselves in these, these predicaments where we're crying out to God, crying out to God because our souls are so vexed. They don't know what to believe. They want to believe this good, true God, but we expose them on a regular to this Satan who is trying to trick and convince them that they need to find their home in him. And when we do that, we, um, we, we confuse our soul and a confused soul, it becomes a confused life. A confused life leads to vexation and frustration. And you invite this world of things into your space that did not have to be there. God would fight your battles, right? But when you expose yourself to certain situations, there are battles that you don't have to fight, that you don't have to expose yourself to. And so you're in a constant tug of war. And so like he said very clearly in, um, in uh, Jesus, like they said very clearly in, in 1 John 2, verse 15, he said, love not the world, 
neither the things that are in the world. No, um, if any man loves the world, then the father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of self is not of the father, but is of the world. And the world passes away and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abides forever. See, there's this thing about it. So when we when we are, we say we get saved, we're saved, we love, we, we say we love the Lord, we say we want communion with God, but how do you commune with God when you are communing with Satan at the same time? Like um in Joshua, and you know, this is the Old Testament, he says, And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served and which are were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites in this land you dwell, but as for me and my house. We will serve the Lord. He, he was saying that because you cannot like bow down to Satan and, and operate in Satan's realm and be in his house and then turn around and go in God's house and expect there to be harmony in your house. It doesn't work that way. It's like, uh, and I, I mean, you may not be musical people, but if I take two notes that are not in the same key or or I try, play one phrase in one key and another phrase in the other key and I don't do the proper transition, Ooh, and, and that's good. If I don't do the proper transition, it's going to sound funky. If I try to play chords that don't fit together, it's going to sound funky. And it's not, not funky in a good way like jazz. It's going to sound so bad, you're going to be like, you can't play. And, 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 and that's kind of what, what happens in our lives is we're trying to play three different keys at the same time. And it doesn't work that way because the three different keys do not abide in harmony. And we're trying to figure out why we having migraines and heart attacks and strokes. We're trying to figure out why our kids won't act right. And the reality is your kids hear you saying glory, hallelujah, but they see you living like hell. And so you're wondering why your children are not doing what you say or what, why they're not doing what you do, uh, what, but they're doing what you do. But you say, I told you to, but they see that you're doing other things. Uh, to just give an example. My parents are some, some of the most godly people I know, right? Um, and I'm grateful that I grew up in their house. But there, there, was, there was some conjecture in our house because my dad is not the neatest guy in the world. Uh, matter of fact, he's not neat at all. Um, but and so he would fuss at my sister because they have similar characteristics that are innate in them. And so like leaving a mess behind themselves is common. And so growing up, he would always be fussing at her. You got to clean up. You got to stop doing this. And she's looking at the way that he is and how filthy his truck is and how he leaves his boots everywhere. And she's like, how dare you tell me <laughs> how to do? You don't even do this. Why would I? Why, how are you going to tell me how to do me? And I'm not doing you. Why would I clean up? You don't clean up. And on another chain, if mama said, come clean up, who was very neat, it's like, well, maybe I need to listen. And it would be frustrating to them because it was innate in her to behave like him. And because he had not fixed the issue in him, she couldn't fix the issue in her because he was saying, do as I say and not do as I do. And so you, we begin to wonder why people are not following us and they're not doing right. And we, and why chaos is continuing to abide in our, in our lives. And it, it looks like this. Let me break it down like this. Jesus Christ is a gentleman. He, you know, like in, in Revelation, he says, I stand at the door and knock. If any man would hear my voice and let me come in, I'll come in and sup with him. He's knocking on the door. He's not busting in. He's not trying to get in. He's not sneaking, uh, sneaking or conniving or trying to trick you into following him. He's, he's coming to the front door. He's knocking on the door and he's waiting on you to open it. Okay. So he's a gentleman. He's not going to force you to do what he's asked you to do. Now he's going to remind you, he's going to be persistent. He's going to stand at the door and continue to knock until you open the door. Well, Satan, you remember was at the, um, 
was at the garden. He was trying to convince them that they were, that they didn't have to do what was right. Satan's going to sneak and connive and try to convince you to do wrong all day long. So if you don't go and open the front door for the honest man standing at the door, but you listen to the man who has snuck in your back door, you've put yourself in a, a tug of war because you see what's right at the front door and you know, it's normal for you to knock it to, to answer the front door. But this person has broke into your life. Come on. Let's think about that. Satan has broken into your life. He has come in the back door. He has picked your locks. He has figured out your, your tails. He's figured out your weaknesses and he's breaking into your life. And how dare we listen to this guy? Okay. We listened to him because he came in and he forced his way in. When, when Jesus is at the front door knocking like, Hey, Hey, I'm trying to, you know, that this is right. You know what I'm telling you is correct. I'm not trying to sneak you. I'm not trying to trick you. I'm trying to come in the front door. I want you to allow me in. Meanwhile, we're listening to the dude that broke in. Now let's think about that in in real life. If somebody broke in your house, the last thing you're doing is trying to listen to them. You're trying by any means to get them out. You're calling the police. You're going to load your shotgun. You've got a bat. You, you, you're remembering karate and jujitsu lessons. You're, you're fighting this guy off. Now, when somebody knocks on the door, you're more likely to put on a nice face, to smile, to open the door and say, hey, how you doing? You know, how can I help you today? You want to talk? Sure. Why in our spiritual lives do we listen to the guy who broke in the back door? whose job is to steal from you, to hurt you, and really inevitably to kill you. But the guy that's knocking at the front door with the most honest message of all, who just wants to do you good, we're ignoring him? We've allowed ourselves to be in this tug of war with good and evil. And innately, our motives may be bad, but we have an eye for good. You know, I think it's really sick that um, that they say that rapists, like really, really demented rapists, they they do things to children because they want their purity, because they feel so evil. Even the sickest of minds recognize purity. So we we realize the goodness that's in him. We realize the goodness in walking with him, talking with him. But it's so easy to fall susceptible to the dude that broke in the back door. Don't let the guy that broke in the back door take over your house. Don't let the guy who came in to kill you and to steal from you tell you how to live your life. You know, I understand that we live in a society that is really susceptible to sin on a regular basis. It's even normalized it. Like we watch TV and and I have become guilty. We watch TV so much that the things that we see on TV begin to become commonplace in our thinking. You know, I used to play Grand Theft Auto. And when I say used to, like, I mean, a couple of months ago with my roommate every night until I realized that the things that we were doing in the game, as I was walking in my regular life, those things became normal in my thinking. And so I had to get rid of that because it was influencing my living. It was influencing my thoughts. We we have been so normalized to craziness that when somebody shoots up a, a venue or a school or a church, you know, we cringe for a moment and then we move on. We've become so normalized to sin that when we see people selling other human beings into slavery, whether in Libya or in the United States, we've become normalized and we don't feel moved to action. 
Is that really the life and the legacy that we want to lead? Is that really who we want to be? God's design was not that we would become commonplace with sin. His design was not that we would get in bed with it and stay in bed with it and yet proclaim the name of Christ. That is not his design. His design is that we would have life and more abundantly abundant life is not sleeping in bed with somebody who came to kill you. (laughs) Abundant life is walking in communion with God and not only thriving and flourishing in the physical and financially, but is thriving mentally, emotionally and spiritually. You know, I, I'm going to be really transparent with you. I used to do this uh, web series called the Ballers Digest with a whole bunch of my friends and, and maybe four or five times um, during the, the question and answer segment where, where our, our followers would ask us questions, the question would always seem to come up, love or money. And in my youth, I'm embarrassed to admit that I always would say money. I would always say money because I didn't want to be poor, had no desire to be impoverished, never wanted to struggle. And so my answer would always be poverty. I mean, it would not be poverty. It would always be, well, I'm, we're just going to have to be money. And as I'm getting older, I realize how foolish that was. Realizing how foolish that was. Because what is money? What are things if you don't have peace? What is prestige if you don't have, uh, if you don't have joy? What good does it do you to have an 18-bedroom house with just one person there? How positive is it? How great is it if you're living in a life where you're serving Satan and you don't even know it? That's the thing that scares me, guys, is a lot of people are are serving Satan and have no clue. Have become subservient and have become part of his army and don't have a clue. You'd be like, oh, Well, what religion? I guess I'm a Christian because that's what my grandma is. And you haven't even met Jesus Christ. And so you don't, you haven't really, really walked with him, but you're doing what Satan has asked. And here's the thing, y'all. I talk to people all the time and and it scares me, um, is that, you know, and I don't want to sound old school, but y'all know sex is really dangerous. Like, Un, uh, in unmarital sex is really dangerous and it's, it's not really dangerous. Like, Oh yeah, the, the STD thing is bad. But see, when we have sex with people, we're not married to, we tie our souls to other people. And so we make the state of our soul vulnerable. And if we tie our souls to somebody who don't know Jesus Christ, tie our souls to somebody who is mentally and emotionally ill, We begin to take on their things because we make ourselves one. And so we we, we live in a culture where it is normal to sleep with as many people as you want because it gratifies the flesh. But we we are not willing to understand the damage that it does to the soul. And thus we, we remain in a tug of war of good versus evil. We remain in a tug of war where... Our lives are constantly falling apart in one area or the other. But yet, we live in this place. We abide in this place. And we're okay with it. I know that's not what you want to hear. Like, I I know you don't, I know that's not what you want to hear. And you definitely don't want, you don't, you don't want to be made to feel bad. But what kind of teacher am I if I never say these things? You know, 
too many of us are in bed with Satan and don't even know it. That's scary. I'm sorry, that's scary. And that's, that's enough to get up and say, to do an evaluation on yourself. The very first book I wrote, which undoubtedly changed my life, called to the peak, craving the pit. And we, we chronicle through this idea of the pit. And what the pit is, is it's this place that we exist where we're inevitably in sin or we're not living in our potential. And most of us don't even realize that we're in a pit. It's just business as normal. You know, the pit looks like where you want to be. It looks like where you've strived to be. You're doing things. People are cowering to you. They love you in the pit. You, you're, you're peaceful. And you, you're not peaceful, but you're full of you know happiness in the pit. You think you've got everything you want, but you have not even tapped into the desires and the destiny that God has given you because you're sitting in darkness. And here's the thing about darkness. When you sit in darkness for so long, when light is shined on it, your eyes have, your, it hurts your eyes. And so if there's not lightness, if there's not light long enough, what it does is your eyes, like, you're like, turn it off, get it out, get it out. And so if you're in darkness long enough, you become adverse to light. Mm. And if you become adverse to light and you can't handle light, you can't be cleaned. You can't be cleansed. And so there's so much potential that God has for you. There's so much stuff that he wants to breathe in you. So much life that he wants you to see you live. But if you become allergic to light because you've sat in darkness for so long, you've been in a love affair with the world for so long. That's terrible. I was on Facebook the other day. And this young man posted um, how she was talking about this girl who, who was really good. And she was so attractive until she started talking about Jesus Christ. Oh, he was talking about how bad she was. She was, oh, she's fine. She got everything that you want. She, she listened to the right kind of music. She's down. She's intelligent. But as soon as she talks about this love affair that she has with Jesus Christ, he gets turned off by her. And I wish that I could talk to the young lady because my words to her would be run. <laughs> run. If, his, if he is turned off by your love affair with the greatest lover on the face of the earth, run. And, and he, he got into an argument with the people, with the people in, the, in, in the comment section. But here's the thing, y'all. Everybody's not going to receive your love affair with Christ. Everybody's not going to accept it and everybody's not going to agree with it. There are some people that will hear the word and will dread, real, reject it. They will run for it. They will call you crazy. They will call you foolish. But here's the thing about it. I told a young man this the other night, that tapping into the love of Jesus Christ is tapping into the fulfillment that people are always searching for. You see billionaires running and searching for fulfillment. Once they've accrued all this money, they're trying to find enlightenment. The Buddhists work their entire lives trying to find enlightenment. There are people all over the world trying to figure out the meaning to this thing, life. And when you tap into this joy and this peace that comes from walking with Jesus Christ, it, begin, it changes your, your whole outlook on life. Like money is cool. Things are cool. Like there are plenty of toys that I want, plenty of places I want to see on this earth. But here, here's what I've learned is that in, in all the toys and the places I want to go and the relationships I want to cultivate, that if I don't have Christ and when I get further from Christ, everything in my life becomes, falls out of balance. And so it doesn't matter whether I'm in storm, I'm in I'm in. in um, the aftermath of a storm. If I don't have Christ, I have nothing. And if you want to see what fulfillment feels like, cultivate a relationship with him. And I'm not talking about just get saved. 
Like I'm talking about beyond confession and belief. I'm talking about earnestly seeking his face because something happens when we seek the face of God beyond Oh, I go to church on Sunday. I went to church on Christmas, Mother's Day and Easter. Something happens when we really search and we really need and we really desire to be in the face of God. Things shift. Things change. And those things begin to like they they will change your life because the things that once mattered no longer matter. The things that seem to matter, the things that we thought were important no longer are important. And we be, we tap into this place that Hollywood hasn't figured out. <laughs> we tap into this place that modern science hasn't figured out. We tap into this place where people are seeking and searching and desiring to get toward. I listened to Elon Musk, who is he's, he's a great mind. And he was talking about, and they, they asked him the question, can religion and science coexist? And he said, probably not. Smart guy, but dumb answer. I'm convinced, and, and if you listen to Bible school, you can see me back it all up, up to quantum physics. But I'm convinced that modern science, sound science, points back to heaven every single time. But if you don't pursue the relationship with Christ and pursue the knowledge of who he is and what he has done, you'll never see the correlation. And you'll be without. Really, guys, like, what is the point in living this life and always being tossed in in between? I'm, I don't, I'm, I don't know about you, but I'm not interested in all, in sometimes being up and sometimes being down. I'm not interested in being leveled to the ground today and being on high, I'm on cloud nine tomorrow. I want to live on cloud nine. I'm serious. I don't care if my life is in a storm. I'm trying to live mentally and spiritually and emotionally on cloud nine. You can destroy some physical things, but I'm trying to live on cloud nine. And it is possible. It's plausible because I have lived it. I have seen it and I have known it, but it is not without consequence. There are some things you have to give up. Some relationships you have to give up. There are some things, some hurt that you have to endure, but the trade off y'all is so much sweeter. It's so much better. You know, I and, and, and I tell you this story. I just left the pool about, about, about an hour ago. And I swim every day because about four or five years ago, I was 19 years old with high blood pressure. And high blood pressure ran, ran on both sides of my family. My grandfather died at 50-something years old from, from high blood pressure and high cholesterol and a whole bunch of other things, kidney failure. My mother and my father both have high blood pressure. All of my grandparents, except for one, have high blood pressure and high cholesterol. Um, all of all of most of my extended aunts and great aunts and grandfathers, all, all of them have high blood pressure. And so at the age of 19, Satan was trying to say, you're going to have to be on the pill for the rest of your life. This is your lot. And I said, that's not, not that, that can't be it. <laughs> that that can't be it. It's, that, this is not this is not the life that I plan to live. And so, thank God, I had a, I had a good doctor come in, and she said she said to me, she said, "We can put you on a pill for the rest of your life, your life, or you can work out twice a day. And if you'll work out twice a day, I have a feeling this blood pressure will go away." So what did I do? I decided that I was going to go work out because my faith said, "No, this is not it." And I know how I do with pills, and I'm not that great with them. And so I'm like, I cannot die like my granddaddy at this, this early age. 
And so I, I went and I started swimming. And I had been swimming on and off, but I started really swimming. And then I started rock climbing. Uh, that running thing never took off for me. <laughs> and my blood pressure issue went away. I have better than perfect blood pressure. And I've had better than perfect blood pressure for two or three years now. The faith thing plays a part into the physical thing. Because the faith thing said, this is not your lot. Let's do something about it. Now, I was not a working out person. You know, all up into my entire life. If Even as a child, I didn't like to run, didn't like to get around. But the faith thing says, you can do this. The faith thing says, you can be more. The faith thing says, this doesn't have to be your destiny. The faith thing says... You're more than a conqueror unto Jesus Christ. The faith thing says that we can steward this body well. The faith thing says that God has not God has destined more for you. The faith thing says eye has not seen nor ear heard what God has in store for you. And so that faith thing said that Satan is telling you that you're going to die. He's telling you that this body is not going to hold up, that you're doomed, that you're going to be impaired, that you're not going to be able to live the life that you thought you would be able to live. But that faith, but, but see, Satan said that, but the faith that Jesus Christ put on the inside said that you're capable of so much more. Now put it to work. Didn't say it would be easy, but it was possible. And so the tug of war is still present, but the faith screams so much louder when you've cultivated a relationship. I'll be, I'll, I'll, I'm willing to bet that the blood pressure thing would have happened two years sooner. I'd probably be on a blood, high blood pressure pill. Mm. I'm willing to bet it. And here's the kicker. The blood pressure thing happened in a season where I was church planting. <laughs> Satan's job is to steal, kill, and destroy, to take away every th- good thing that God is trying to do. But when we cultivate and run toward Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter how much hell is in your life and how much hell Satan is trying to throw in your way. God will show you how to get through some stuff. And sometimes he'll just pick you up and carry you through it. But he'll show you how to get up and get out and move through some things. But you've got to trust that he is indeed God. Y'all don't don't get in bed with Satan. Be weary of the tricks. Be be mindful and vigilant of the things that he's throwing at you because they are indeed real. I love you. I really love y'all. I'm I'm so glad you decided to join us today. Don't get stuck. Please don't get stuck. Please don't get stuck. Okay? I'm glad you joined you tuned into the podcast. And until next time, this has been Life School. <laughs>